In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, I would like to bring out the theme of preparation. In the Gospel, we are left waiting. And today is the day of the Sunday before Theophany. In so many ways, the church is teaching us about preparation through the liturgical cycle. It's the Sunday before the event that's actually going to happen. And therefore, the gospel reading kind of lands and ends on a promise. And we wait for that blessed day when the one who can baptize us with the Holy Spirit will arrive. So it's preparation. And indeed, the gospel begins with John's message. It's a preparation for receiving God's gift, but it's incomplete. John's message is more like a passageway to God rather than the fulfillment of the thing itself. John himself tells us this in many different ways. He says, one is coming whose sandals, whose shoes I am not fit to loose. And this is another way of him telling us that he is not the one, but it goes even deeper than him just saying, I'm not worthy. Indeed, this is an allusion to a a practice of the Old Testament. Moses took off his shoes before the hollowed ground before the burning bush. Joshua, the son of Nun, did the same when he became the the, leader of the people of God. It's an act of saying, I am in God's presence. So he's not going to take off his shoes. I'm not going to request him to take off his shoes in my presence. But rather, I will be standing in the presence of the coming one. So he is not the fulfillment of all those prophecies, but he is a prophet himself. He tells us this in another way, that I am also not the bridegroom. For the loosing of sandals was another practice that was also given in the Old Testament, though you have to read carefully to see it. The undoing of the sandals, St. Gregory makes a big point of this in one of his homilies, St. Gregory the Great. He says that this is what a husband would do when he took a wife. So it was what a bridegroom would do when he was taking a bride, in a very specific action that we don't need to go into, but it's saying that he is not the one who will wed all the prophecies, uh, wed the nations to himself. He is not that bridegroom. Rather, Christ, the one who is coming, will be. He will be the husband of the church. And it's the prophets who would remove their sandals while offering to him. And that union, if St. Ambrose says on the same theme, that nuptial grace of being wedded to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. However, St. John's message goes far and wide, and I was surprised to find this out, that the Ephesian church is the church, when I read carefully through in Acts, that is the one that says, we know of John's baptism, but who is this Holy Spirit that you speak of when Paul came to that? That is the Ephesian church, and it is Timothy who became the bishop of that church. So there's this line of preparation that we see in these various examples. John saying, I'm not the coming one. I'm not the bridegroom. It's me who will take off my sandals before Christ. But the message, John's message, 
goes far and wide, even to the Ephesian church, who God later has prepared through John's message to receive the fullness of the gospel. But what is John's message? What is it that that Ephesian church believed? What is it that he gave to them? And we get this in the Gospel of Luke on the same account, which we would read in one of the services of Theophany. And this is John's teaching. He says, He who has two coats, let him share with him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to John, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed to you. Then soldiers came and also asked him, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Rob no one by violence or by false accusation and be content with your wages. In other words, he's telling them to not go beyond their duty, not go beyond their authority, but to be fair, to be meek, to be truthful, and to be content. This is how he tells them to prepare themselves for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive Christ himself and to be wed to the promised coming one. They are purifying themselves to some extent. They are preparing their hearts and their bodies and their actions to receive that blessed baptism of Christ in his name and receive the Holy Spirit. And so the fathers tell us that John's baptism, though it was truly a baptism, it was immersion into water and for a sign, though, of the forgiveness of sins. It wasn't the full healing of humanity. It was, I am repentant. It was a repentant action of heart and soul and not simply a rite like any of the other Jewish rites, but it was a sign of faith and repentance, to use their words. And it was a sign that would be later fulfilled by Christ when he comes to John and is baptized in the Jordan. And we'll speak more of that on that blessed feast, but we'll content ourselves a little bit with being prepared today. It is only the God-man, as a member of the Godhead of the Holy Trinity, that was able to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in the human being and unite with God. And indeed, St. Athanasius, our patron, says that it's Jesus who divinized that which he put on, a human body, a human soul, and he gave it back to us, a deified humanity, graciously to the race of man through that baptism. He fills it. His pure body gives us himself, and he weds us. He is that bridegroom, and he is the one who, as to bring out a a liturgical theological point, when one comes to be baptized, they do not wear shoes, they loose their belts, they come in the simplest of clothing in this act of humility that I am now to stand in the presence of Christ. We are enacting this liturgically, the words of St. John. And it's a powerful statement of what we do when we baptize and make one join the body of Christ. Now to return to that Ephesian church. They were prepared. They believed John's message. They practiced this fairness, this meekness, this truthfulness, and this contentedness. And they waited. But they did not exactly know what they were being prepared for. They believed there was power in the message, and they were, in some ways, stable. A stable community waiting, believing in John's words, practicing as as they could. But when Paul came, and he began investigating, what it is that this, what do you believe? And they said, 
We believe in John's baptism, but we do not know of the Holy Spirit. Christ continued to provide for them. And he sent Paul there, and he questioned those, that small, small community that believed in the forerunner's message. And Paul completed what they were being prepared for. He laid his hands on them. He baptized them in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And he gave them the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And that church, he continued, he became their father in Christ and grafted them, that church, into the body, that community, into the body of church, into the body of Christ and made it a church. And then later, he continued his fatherhood. And this is what we read in the epistle. He is giving them Timothy to be their bishop. And he gives Timothy words of preparation for himself. Paul is preparing for his own martyrdom. He's on his journey to Rome. He doesn't know exactly what will happen, but he believes that he may not return. And so he is giving bishops to these churches to continue that fatherhood, to continue in that work of the Holy Spirit and the ordering of them. This preparation continues for that final day of the resurrection. But what does Paul tell Timothy? He tells them, I have fought the good fight. My time is done, so I'm handing this to you. And he tells him, always be steady, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is like taking John's advice, but fulfilling it. John's teaching is turned into a positive thing. It's the going out, not simply do your duty and be fair about it and take care of one another. These are good and holy things. They are the preparation. But he tells them, do the work of an evangelist. Go out and live as Christ is teaching you, as I have given you the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and bring others to your church to do what I have given you, to lay hands on them, bring them to the priest, bring them to Timothy, Timothy, do this work. Train your people to do it. And then you will fulfill your ministry. This is the pastoral advice that Paul gives to the bishop, Timothy. And then Paul leaves the care of his flock to him. But this advice is not just the advice given to a bishop. It's the advice given to each and every one of us. It's our way to prepare ourselves and to begin to cultivate our knowledge and our hearing of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. To be steady. Don't run from here to there chasing the things of this world. Endure suffering when it comes. Accept it as your cross, and God will reveal his light to you. Do the work of an evangelist. Bring others into this way of life, and in this way you will fulfill the ministry given to you at your baptisms, at the laying on of hands. So we are being prepared today to celebrate that blessed baptism of our Lord in which all of these things will be given to us and implanted in us that we may begin to dig into them and bear the fruits and find those jewels that the Holy Spirit has planted in us, those gifts that he gives us, those spiritual gifts. So let us prepare ourselves for the feast this week as we approach to celebrate the liturgy on Wednesday evening and that we Be able to hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit when we celebrate that blessed day and remember our own baptisms and remember how we were united to Christ 
and continually are so, that we in, he is there enduring the sufferings with us. He helps us to be steady, and he helps us find our way in the ministry that he gives us. Christ our God, help us to live the life of the Holy Spirit which we are speaking about. May we ever prepare in the steadiness and endure suffering and that is placed upon us and that we experience. Ready ourselves to receive the Spirit once again and forevermore and hear the voice and love, the appearance that you give to us and the fulfillment of our own ministries that thou hast given each of us. May we with all the saints receive the crown of righteousness as our reward, as Paul says in his letter to Timothy, that he was preparing to receive that crown, may we receive the same one. To the glory of Christ's holy name.